Hello. Hello. Hi, Dan. Hi. What's up? How was lunch? It was good. It was good. I had some uh, had some dim sum with my punk rock friends. Oh, cool. I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm experimenting with. Well, there's three three things going on right now. I've got a new uh, I've got a new cable okay. for my microphone. Okay, good. I don't know if you can hear the difference. I'm using uh, an Ethernet setup instead of Wi-Fi. That's definitely going to be good. That's going to be much better. I can hear the difference already. Yes. And now here's the question for you. Go ahead, caller. Here at my office, I have a Keurig. Yeah. And I, I, like I a little, commend your choice. I have one yeah. at work and at home. <laughs> I like a little cream in my coffee, and I don't have a refrigerator, so I bought a, a crate of those little mini half-and-half half things. Okay. You're talking about the kind like you get at a restaurant that are sealed that apparently don't need to be refrigerated. That's correct. Okay. Which goes with your whole food thing. Yeah. yeah. But the last couple of these that I've opened, they've uh, they've been, uh, they've had a little bit of, how would you describe it? Clumping? There's been some Ooh, clumping. Yeah. Clumping, Dan. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure whether that is clumping that's a, that's a result of just the natural emulsification of a thing that's been processed so highly right. in order to sit on a shelf or whether, whether there is a shelf life for these things and I have exceeded it. I don't know, but I don't like clumping in my coffee. You when know did I mean? you get the case that you're talking about? Oh, not that long ago. Let's say a few months. It's, I mean, certainly it should, they should be, they should survive a couple of months. Right. I'm going to say that what you're seeing there with the clumping is could could would you say that it looks like maybe it's even curdling that that yeah, the word would well, be curdles curdled yeah well but it shouldn't curdle does it curdle is it curdled as you're pouring it out or does it curdle once it hits the hot beverage yeah I, i'm i'm not sure that i didn't look at it closely enough because what i from my understanding about about milk and milk uh products and byproducts that as milk ages, its acidity increases, its acidity rises. And mm-hmm. if you put something acidic in into something hot, mm-hmm. that actually will cause the curdling. That doesn't mean that it, it's off. It doesn't mean that it's bad. But it, it simply means that it's a, it got a little age on it, like, uh, like mm-hmm. the two of us. Mm-hmm. I see. So you're saying that, Dan, we might be a little curdled? Is that a what you're saying? A little bit, if, if we get too hot. Mm. Oh, that is a major problem for me. Overheating. Does it? <laughs> does it taste bad or taste all right? Nah, who who knows? Right. Who knows? You right. you've already esta- We've already established that that my taste, yeah, is uh, my taste is is much more. Let's say the window is much wider. Ah, on what I'm willing to, uh, what willing to endure. Right. Well, I think the test is going to be: is it already? chunky yeah when it's pouring out of the container or is it turning chunky once it's in there turning chunky yeah <laughs> that's a good band name that's turn, a good album turning chunky turn chunky that would be a good uh if i were a band on the horde tour <laughs> if I we're a horde tour band i would have an album called turning chunky oh yeah as opposed to uh clumping cream uh-huh. well clumping cream yeah 
That'd be a good record too. Clumpin. No, that's the band name. Clumpin cream <laughs> and their new record turning chunky. <laughs> oh, opening for Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, opening uh, uh, for Lenny Kravitz on his um, Virginia, North and South Carolina dates. <laughs> just a, just a regional opener. <laughs> right. Uh, how is your, I've got a little bit of MSG in me right now, so I'm, I'm feeling, feeling pretty strong, a little confused, but strong. Well, how's your life? My life is pretty good. I actually had the opposite, uh, uh, lunch. I think experience that you did. There's a new place that opened up just around the corner from, uh, from the studio here that is a like gluten free paleo type restaurant oh, and it, they they're famous for one of your favorite beverages of all time mm. i think next to the Lacroix or lacroix or whatever it is mm. is mm. butter coffee so they do that but now they've opened up a restaurant it was really 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 good i got the meatloaf mm. you know i love a meatloaf i do too um but you i'm sure you like the uh butter coffee oh sure sure you put uh you put butter and coffee in a thing you don't even need to put a third thing in there. Yeah. Right? No, you do. Actually, the third thing is the MCT oil, which is like... Hmm. Uh, it activates it? Yes. Yeah, Does the MCT oil activate it? I think so. Activates the antioxidants? What What I think, um, you know, there are people who just sort of put butter into their coffee. That's not the same thing. You're su- no. To do butter coffee the right way, you've got to use that little... It's not a... Is it a frother? It's a little... blend. It's like one of those little blenders that actually fits into the mug or fits into a thing. I see what you're saying. And uh, my wife got one of those to make one of the kids smoothies like five years ago. And apparently using that makes all the difference. So you put your butter in and it's got to be the grass fed butter and your MCT oil and you do this. And I've, uh, I got it there when they have the, they have a little stand down, down off South Congress uh, where I got it the first time. And I thought, Oh, this is, this is all right. But all these other benefits that are supposed to come from it of like, Oh, it's supposed to give you, extra energy and make you feel stronger it it didn't do anything more than a regular cup of coffee would do to me yeah but it tasted like there was butter in it yeah well which is necessarily bad those claims are all horseshit as you know my my recommendation dan if you are coffee if you're interested in pursuing a a butter coffee route Uh let me suggest a little concoction called the affogato the Affogato's Af- number. I've heard of this. Oh, well, this is Affogato's Af- got your number in this case <laughs> mm-hmm. because an Affogato is a, uh, a, a shot of espresso or a double shot of espresso, let's say, All right. poured over a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It really is wonderful. And, um, you know, and in my case, I sometimes do two double shots of espresso over a scoop of vanilla ice cream, and you're gonna you're gonna find it has all the benefits of butter coffee, uh-huh. which uh, whatever those benefits are, which are doubtful. I mean, it has the benefits of coffee, it has the benefits of butter, but it also has the benefits of ice cream. I which, mean, that sounds pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, I can't catalog all the benefits of ice cream. And then the fourth benefit is if you're at a table of people, and this happened to me recently in San Francisco, I was at a table of people and everybody went around the table and it was a situation where there was a guy there. He was a, like a rich, he was a rich guy, a tech rich guy who was super duper nice, 
but also vibing me pretty hard in that way that like super rich guys vibe other guys <laughs> who are maybe bigger than them and smarter than them and better than them. Uh-huh. And everybody went around the table and everybody ordered their fancy drink. And, you know, there was some alcohol in some of these drinks, but you know, oh yeah, I'll take two babadabadas, right? Some babity babity babities. And they're all, you know, they're all ordering, uh, they got, they got ice cubes that are the size of a, of a major league baseball. Oh, I know the ones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and a bunch of, and some of these drinks were mixed and they had some smoke coming off of them and it's all this top shelf liquor. And then it got to me and I was like, affogato. And the waiter knew. They, right away. They, just knew it. The, the waiter knew now that it's not a thing that everybody knows and no one else at the table knew what it was. And so the waiter and I had a little bit of a, mm -hmm. Uh and then he goes away. We're sitting there just, I'm drumming my fingers on the table going like I'm getting subtly dissed by this guy all the time. Kind of subtly dissed by how nice he's being (laughs) and fucking guy. And then the drinks come. It's like, here's your fancy drink. Here's your baseball sized ice cube. Here's your cut crystal shot glass and then here's a double shot of espresso over a scoop of ice cream Wow! and it was like i might as well have pulled a derringer out of my boot and put it on the table oh man you know in terms of just like upping the ante like trump level fuck you (laughs) and uh you know and then you just pull it off and, and of course everybody at the table is like what the fuck is that? Right. You know, instantly, whatever else, they're all paying $17 for their drinks, but my drink is the one that they're all curious about. And I'm just like, what do you mean? What is that? It's an affogato. What are you new? <laughs> well, I'm looking at a picture <laughs> of it now. It looks really good. Uh-huh. It looks uh-huh. so. The, the presentation that I'm seeing of this is that there is a mug, what is, I guess, a coffee mug, and inside of it is the pre scooped ice cream, and then they give the coffee in a little pitcher and then i guess you so you're drinking it but the coffee's hot right so it melts the ice cream instantly oh yeah yeah but it it melts the top it melts the top layer of the ice cream so the ice cream becomes like perfectly melty but it's still ice cream in there are you using a spoon to eat the ice cream or do you just let it drown no 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 you got you've got a spoon there but it's a little espresso stir spoon Uh so i mean you know the whole thing is just you can't sit there and stare at it and eat it like a Sunday. You know what I mean? You have to sit oh, with a right. little spoon, little spoon kind of going tink, 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 tink on the side of your glass uh-huh. while you're talking about art or politics. Right. Sure. It says here in the notes, it is considered one drink, not a combination of coffee and ice cream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Affogato Italian for drowned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what that means is you effectively drown everyone else at the table. <laughs> With your massive like wave of of overcool, uh-huh. and it's you know when you are when you do not drink alcohol, and you go to a fancy bar with a bunch of fancy people, and they're all doing their alcohol thing and trying to like, trying to be uh, like basically cigar aficionado magazine level <laughs> fucking puds mm-hmm. about their booze. <laughs> What can you do? I mean, you can order an Arnold Palmer. In my case, you can order a fruity pleaser. If I'm feeling just, if I'm feeling punk, I'll just get a cup of coffee because nobody can touch a cup of coffee. But you know, you're sitting there drinking an Arnold Palmer 
you do feel a little bit like you're in a, on the kit at the kitty table. You know, like you're you're on the merry-go-round on the little zebra that's going up and down while uh-huh. everybody else is sitting in the sleighs. Everybody sit. Everybody else is sitting in the sleighs because they're too cool to be on the merry-go-round. Sitting on the sleighs, drinking their drinks, and you're riding the you're riding the zebra. You know, but you know you need you need something in your back pocket when it's time. You know, when you when it's time to bring the A game, and the affogato is it. I uh, I wanted you know as as I do when we do these shows, I try to keep up with you in adding links to provide context for the listeners mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about the thing that that you're saying. Yeah, and I've only ever heard you use the term fruity pleaser before, mm-hmm. and so I googled fruity pleaser. Oh, I've never done that. The first result, well, all of the results are about you. <laughs> the, the first result is the Roderick on the Line Wikia entry for the episode Suit of Vomit, which is a, it contains a transcript, a full transcript of the episode. Wow. And, uh, and this is you saying, like for me, an Arnold Palmer is an entry-level fruity pleaser. And to which Merlin says, did you make that phrase? And you say, fruity pleaser? And he says, yeah, you use it a lot. You use it on tour, you mention it a lot. I don't mean to interrupt, but did you invent that term just out of curiosity? So this is the full transcript of that episode, uh, but I will also put that episode. But I, did you, is that your thing? Because it doesn't seem to exist on the internet, except in the context of you and, and what you've said on other shows. Well, uh, the, history of the, uh, the history of the fruity pleaser is as follows. I used to work at a... Um, at a bar. And when I started working, it was a rock club. And when I started working there, I was, uh, I, I wasn't drinking alcohol. I had, I had, I'd quit drinking because I was bloated and I kept getting arrested. And so I said, I, you know, I'm done with booze and I started working at this bar, but I was not, I did not lump other drugs in with alcohol at that point. I said, look, the drugs have never been a problem in the sense that they don't make me bloated. I've never been arrested for anything I did on drugs. Let's say big, big tent drugs. The problem is just the booze. And sometimes the booze combined with other drugs created problems, but it was the alcohol that was the deciding factor so i quit and i'm working at this bar and whenever i would get frustrated that everybody else was drunk because this is in the seattle in the very early 90s everybody was trying to kill themselves with booze and drugs and uh so i would you know i would i would put that energy into uh using drugs well maybe not surprisingly as uh, that year wore on I started using more and more drugs more than I'd more than I'd done before, more than I expected I would. Uh, and at a certain point, you know, a year and a half later, I was just on drugs. Yeah. Uh, which was, which was bad scene. Yes. And at one point I made what I think is, um, like, you know, kind of an inarguable conclusion that if I was going to be this on drugs, why wouldn't I just get drunk? It's cheaper. And, uh, 
And although I'm, I haven't been arrested for being on drugs, it's not any better than being drunk. I'd, I'd prefer to be arrested than to be in some of these bad situations. So I started drinking again. Now, at that point, I'd been fired from the job at the bar, but I knew everybody that worked at the bar because I'd worked there. So right, I right. started going into the bar because I didn't have. They can't turn you away. They can't turn me away. And I didn't have any money, really. So I would go into the bar and I'd sit at the bar and my friend, the bartender would, you know, would ply me with drinks. And what that meant, you know, he was tithing. Basically, it was a very busy bar. The bar was making money hand over fist. It was it was one of those things where there was no there was no area where you walked up to the bar to order your drinks. It was just there were a bunch of people sitting sitting at the bar. There was a second row of people screaming at the bartender trying to get drinks. And then there was a third row of people trying to yell over the shoulders of the second row of people. Uh-huh, I mean, it right. was a complete, they, they couldn't have had the music any louder in that bar. <laughs> and, and still the screaming of the hordes <laughs> was, you know, was drowning the Slayer out. And I sat at that bar, you know, head down, glower on my face. Yeah. Getting drunk on the, on the free booze that was being paid for by the owner of the bar who had fired me. And, and this bartender was a very, very competent, I mean, like an exceptionally competent bartender. He was not a, he wasn't a tall guy, but he commanded the room with a kind of, with his like implacable, no nonsenseness. Hmm. He just was like, you, you, you just taking orders, building drinks, throwing them out. If people were. If people like got at all, because everybody was out of line in that place. But if anybody like got, like got over, over the line, he was just like you out. And 80% of the people that he said that to, they were like, Ooh, sorry. And they left. I mean, you know, and these are bad people. Mm -hmm. Um, He carried a little, he carried a little, he had a, he had a utility belt, this guy that had a flashlight a knife, but he also had a collapsible baton. Oh yeah. On his belt that, you know, if anybody confronted him or anybody like came up to him on the street at night after he was leaving work, he would just pull, this thing was not very big. It was, you know, it was six, eight inches long, but he'd pull it out and he would go. Right. And all of a sudden it's this like weapon of war. He was badass. Well, so the problem was that when I started drinking again, it did not actually decrease my drug use. And so now I was in a bit of a pickle, which was that I was on drugs and also mm. drunk and also had no money. And we've covered this many times before that began a, 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 a pretty rapid plummet, which resulted in the end in me no longer doing either drugs or alcohol, but I still really loved my friend, the bartender and his name is Jeff. And I just wanted to visit Jeff. You know, I didn't, I I had to lose a lot of my drug friends when I got cleaned up and I had to lose a lot of my drinking friends. I mean, I had to lose the drug friends Uh, there. I had to pretty much close the garage door on a lot of those. There were a few that were, that were good friends in spite of drugs. But Jeff wasn't a, you know, he was a stoner, but he wasn't a, 
I didn't know him and like him because I liked to get high or because he he gave me drinks. I liked him. And so I would go visit him and I would sit at the end of this bar where all this mania was still happening, but now I was sober and Jeff would come over and talk to me, you know, when he had a break or whatever. And eventually he said, you know, you can't just come in here and drink Coke. Come on. You're a man of discernment. Why don't I make you a drink? And I was like, great. And he cooked up this concoction and he set it in front of me and he said, there you go. It's like you're uh, it's like a fruity pleaser. And I said, fruity pleaser. And he said, fruity pleaser. And so then I would go in and I'd, I'd sit down at the bar, uh-huh. you know, and he'd say fruity pleaser. And I'd say fruity pleaser. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a fun thing for us. Maybe, maybe just as fun for him as for me, because who doesn't like to say fruity pleaser, right? Well, Jeff was a very popular bartender in Seattle and uh, he opened his own bar called the Dexter and Hayes. And I continued to go visit him at the Dexter and Hayes, but that bar that, that, uh, that we originally met at was one of those like spawn bars or like seed bars where every person that worked there went on to work somewhere else in Seattle in a different bar or a different side of the entertainment business. Okay. So there were a few other bartenders that worked there with Jeff who also learned the fruity pleaser from Jeff and they knew it was, they associated it with me. You know, I'd come in and Jeff wouldn't be there and I'd be like, where's Jeff? And they'd say, Oh, he's not here today. You want a fruity pleaser? And I'd say, well, yes I do. And so those people went out into the world and started their own bars or became bartenders at other restaurants. Okay. And so then there was a sort of constellation of places that I could walk in and the bartender would look up and say, Hey, one fruity pleaser coming up. And I would say, fruity pleaser. Well, it doesn't take long before all of your friends know that that's what you drink. And then, of course, they, you go into a bar where you don't know the bartender, but your friend is there with you and he's like, you want a fruity pleaser? I'm going to order a fruity pleaser, see what happens. So gradually, within Seattle, there became at least a small group of, of bartenders and restaurants where you could order a fruit, fruity pleaser and it became somewhat disassociated from me in that there were a lot of bartenders that knew how to make a fruity pleaser, but didn't know that it had any connection to me. So do you think that at this point, other people were going in maybe even without knowledge of, of you or the connection that you had to this and somehow they wind up ordering one of these things and liking it without any knowledge at all that this is sort of came from you. Hard to know. Yeah. I've never seen it on a menu. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's possible that somebody went in and said, have you got some cool non-alcoholic cocktail or something like that? I don't drink. And the bartender said, oh, yeah, you want a fruity pleaser? What's uh, in it? Did you already go detail what well, exactly the, is it? I mean, this is the thing. I'm not a bartender. Beats me what's in it. Or Juice? does it have a, a taste? That, see, how okay. Can, but then, that, no, because the whole time I've been saying to you, there's this really good sandwich I want you to try. Well, mm-hmm. what's in it? Fluff, I'm not going to touch that. Mm-hmm. But a fruity yeah, but, pleaser, to me, 
it sounds like who knows what could be in that. Anything could be in that. Mm-hmm. I ask you what's in it. It's your drink. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's in that. But you won't try a sandwich? Jeff. Jeff is Oh, because Jeff didn't make the sandwich? Jeff is a drink-making <laughs> professional person, whereas you are just a dingling with a loaf of bread and some candy corn. Now, listen. Hold on a second. I didn't invent the fluffernata. This is a generations-old tradition of the of the great northeast of this country yeah well you didn't uh you know Elvis didn't the, invent the peanut butter and banana sandwich peanut butter bacon and banana sandwich <laughs> or whatever uh-huh. i haven't tried one of those either i mean <laughs> it's I have, because you're not insane but there's have, nothing wrong with a fluff or not i've smoked banana peels i've smoked peanut skins that's the whole thing and yet you won't try a well-known sandwich that's true I right right now as as we record this and as people listen to it at any time now at, mm-hmm. no matter who you are where you are or when you listen to this mm-hmm. today a hundred years from now mm-hmm. a third of america right now is eating a fluff for nutter. i doubt that highly. i think it's totally accurate well here's what's worse dan are you ready for this yes someone listens to our program some wag uh-huh. <laughs> whose name i won't Whose name I won't grace by mentioning okay. on the program. Okay. One of our one of our waggish friends sent me the ingredients of a fluffer nutter. And it is sitting here on my desk. My hand is on a jar of craft jet puffed marshmallow. That's cream. the stuff. That's the stuff. And on top of that is a jar of Justin's classic peanut butter. Okay. I haven't tried Justin's, but all natural. Sounds good. And uh the jet puffed Marshmallow cream says. Oh, Justin's. No, I have tried Justin's. I know the, they they do. They're very good. Oh, yeah, it seems good. It seems good. Uh, and uh, a jet puffed marshmallow cream. Their tagline is "Have fun with your yum." Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to have fun with my yum. That sounds gross. Stay away from my yum. Fantasy <laughs> fudge. There's an. There's a. You know, and here, here's what's crazy. This jar of jet puffed marshmallow cream is lighter than air. Of course. That's the whole pick, gimmick. If you pick up the the peanut butter jar, it's like a it's like feels like a jar of peanut butter. Right. It's a heavy jar of stuff. Mm-hmm. Pick up this jet puff marshmallow cream and it feels like it's empty. I haven't opened it to see if there's any marshmallow cream in it. Well, there is. I this stuff is just repulsive. No, it's delicious. It says do not microwave in jar and that's because I'm sure that this stuff turns molten hot. And the entire thing would collapse and because because the marshmallow cream and the plastic of the jar are indistinguishable from one. No. Is it the fluff that's not appealing? Because you're okay with peanut butter, right? I just want to get to the bottom of this once and for all. Obviously. Obviously, I'm okay with peanut butter. Right. And I'll eat a s'more. I'll eat a s'more all day. Then why not try this? I think you're if just you, not trying it because you correctly think it bothers me that you won't if try you, If you said that a fluffer nutter contained a layer of Hershey's chocolate... We might be on a different game here. How about this? As a gateway to get you to try it, I say put some chocolate syrup on it. You know what? Here, here's an idea. Syrup. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Here's melted chocolate. Here's the idea. Take the fluffer nutter, make it, put it into a mug, pour some coffee over it. <laughs> and, now you're, and then now you can have it. <laughs> Just an idea. Mm, uh-huh. Put butter in there, whatever you want to do. Uh-huh. Ice cream. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. I just want you to try it. Well, one of these days. One of these days, Dan. (laughs) Pow. Right in the kisser. (laughs) 
We would like to say thanks to Wealthfront, an automated investment service with nearly $3 billion in client assets under management. What am I doing telling you about this during road work? Because we care. We care that you guys have enough money when you retire or when you want to start a family. It matters because we want you to keep listening. And how's Wealthfront going to help you do that? They make it super easy to invest because really not that many of us out there are interested in this kind of thing. We don't want to study the market. We don't want to read the research for every single index fund. We just want to say, here's some money. I want that to earn more money. That's what Wealthfront is all about. They take the best of modern technology with rigorous investment research. They cut out the middleman and they give everybody sound investment management. Again, this is like long-term investment. This is for your retirement, for your later life, for your kids if you have some. It's not like day trading, market timing stuff. But what they do is they make it so that the money that you invest, they're always moving it around here and there to places that it will continue to earn more money. And they're doing this. They manage $3 billion, $3 billion in client assets. And they're making all of these people money. You can start like as little as 500 bucks. They've got millionaires investing in uh, their money with Wealthfront too, but they say the average uh, investment's about $60,000. But you can start with 500 bucks and you can still get access to these um, amazing technologies and the people behind the scenes who are managing these investments. They do not charge anything for trading commissions. They're completely free for accounts under $10,000. And you only pay above and beyond that 0.25% per year for their management fee, which is probably as low as you're going to find it. Listeners of this show, if you go to Wealthfront, wealthfront.com slash 5x5, they will manage your first $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. So in addition to never paying commissions, no hidden fees, you won't pay management fees on your first 15K. So go to wealthfront.com slash 5x5 to learn more. Uh, did you pronounce syrup syrup? I pronounced it correctly. Syrup. Syrup. Mm-hmm. Syrup. Okay. Syrup. Syrup. Not syrup. No, I don't know what that is. Uh-huh. What is that? Same it's thing? Syrup. Chocolate it's, syrup? Yeah. Maple syrup? Yeah, syrup. My, maple syrup, chocolate syrup. Syrup. Is that a, re- is that a regionalism? Probably. Syrup? syrup syrup? You say it like stirrup. Syrup. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Stir up. Stir okay, up. okay, okay. We're, maybe we're on to something here. It must be a regional thing. I know the obvious Philadelphiaisms that I have, like mirror, down air, you know, stuff like that that I still can't quite shake unless I'm really conscious of it. But mirror, yeah, mirror. But mirror, you say mirror, mirror. It's a one-syllable word. M I R. Mirror, mirror, mirror. Uh, what? Uh, what do you call the uh, fizzy drink in a oh, bottle? We're going to play this game. I just want to like know this, this one. I, I mean, it's we, pop. Pop. I've been through this a thousand times with people. Pop. It's pop. I've never said pop in my entire life. Now, if it, it, are you aware that some people will say Coke? Yeah. Even yeah, if yeah, they don't mean Coke, right? This is a this is a this is the most common regionalism. Uh, uh, and you know, and I love those, I love those conversations. I'll even have it 
I'll even have it with you again, although I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this program is aware of the pop Coke yeah. soda issue. Yeah. Now, Except for all the people in Australia and, and uh, New Zealand and Germany and Denmark right. who listen to this program. I don't know what they make of that. Syrup. syrup. Now, do you say, here's, the, here's one I've been hearing lately, and it's, it's been pointed out that I say, everybody, everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going. Yeah. And um when but, it's pointed when it's pointed out to me <laughs> like all uh, day air day everybody 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 and, and when it's pointed out to me it is, the suggestion is made that it is a kind of drawl like yeah, a southern drawl. I I think it is. But I hear it in the Pacific Northwest all the time from native Pacific Northwesterners that do not have any other kind of drawl in their language. And you wouldn't describe me as having a drawl or any kind of slurry um, Southern diction. Nope. But everybody <laughs> is just natural. Everybody in the club. Well, but see, it doesn't have all that other... Uh, uh, <laughs> Accent, you know what I mean? It's just like everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going to wear the following thing. Everybody's coming. And I mean, and I say coming, right? Instead of coming, yeah. everyone is coming. Everybody's coming. But that feels, that feels very Northwest to me. Uh-huh. And I, but I can't put my finger on it because I listen for it now. And a lot of my, friends up here who speak what i consider to be now let's this is going to be a maybe a um, controversial claim yeah but my theory is that the english language as it has moved around the world as it has gone further and further from the from its origin point it has through the process of distillation become more and more perfect Ah, right. Picking up the best sort of mm. versions of all pronunciations and, and merging them. small, And also, like it has, as all filtering processes, as it's gone through the charcoal of the Americas, it has, you know, all the impurities have been uh, separated. Now, I know that our friends in the antipodes are going to say we are very very far away but in fact not really not as far away as alaska and seattle mm-hmm. because the because australia and new zealand were settled by people from the british islands many many moons ago and they maintained that connection that close connection to the uk until very recent times and so in some ways you might say that those languages are the most insanely inbred of the Englishes because just this reciprocating back and forth between the UK, but it's it stuff gets all garbled in the, in the holds of all those creaky wooden ships back and forth. And by the, you know, I mean, you've heard those people put shrimps on the Barbie. It's, it's almost impossible to, to understand where the, I mean, their, their accents aren't, hard to understand they're quite melodious but it's impossible to get like how they could really how 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 they could really consider that sing-songy merry hobbit pronunciation <laughs> to be like an authentic language right right, right they sure. just it just seems too jolly it seems like they're it seems like they're nations of leprechauns 
Oh. Whereas Alaskans <laughs> and Seattleites have a very serious-minded language that comes born out of a frontier spirit. We had to cross those rocky mountains, cross those naked plains, those grass-covered plains, fighting Indians and buffalo to settle these wild lands. And as such, our languages and our, and our accent and our diction are as no-nonsense and as, as just, uh, just honed to the, to the actual diamond tip, spear tip of, of English. So, it's my contention that I have what could only be described as a perfect accent of English. Oh, I see, I see, of course. And if you listen to newscasters, and you listen to radio personalities, and you listen to uh, Hollywood film stars, right, like in the 30s and 40s, Hollywood film stars all spoke with that, you know, mid-Atlantic. Yes. Uh, like this weird affectation of, of East Coast uh, aristocracy. But they dropped all that when they realized that it was truly the Western language that was the clearest and the purest. So, again, and, I'm, and part of the Western accent is to say, so, with an exclamation point. Um, I, I, cannot, I cannot imagine a, a clearer and purer and more perfect form of the spoken language. And I believe that everybody is just the direction that we're all headed. Well, I've heard you uh, say things like uh, y'all. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Yeah, y'all. I, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, um, it's not... When you, when you distill the language, it, it isn't to say that it excludes uh, the Southern influence. In fact, I will often say that I'm going to put a shrimp on the Barbie. That's what's so great about... <laughs> about the Alaskan dialect yes. is that it, it takes all Englishes into account. I mean, I'll even say sorry every once in a while, just as a, as a tip of the hat to my Canadian friends. I see. Sorry. 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 Which is, I mean, if under the maple leaf on their flag, they should have sorry because it's their, it's the, really the, the catchphrase of Canada. And, and about half the time they even mean it. <laughs> it's like, sorry, but it's, you're not sure. Are you sorry? I don't know. It seems like you're apologizing for something you're not sorry for. <laughs> it's like a sorry is the, is the social glue that holds Canada together. Uh-huh. Because as long as they're all apologizing to each other, they can just continue to just sort of do, the, do their business, do their jobs. And the, the sorry just like makes it it just it just greases the wheels americans could could americans could adopt a little bit more sorry they do apologize for kind of everything yeah they just apologize to one another as a as a form of it's like a hat tip yeah yeah now there's i had just i made a quick list of a couple other ones okay and i know some of these are very specific to the Northeast. So, but I'm curious to know if you even know what they are. And I think we've talked about one. Yeah, I'm sure. But one of these is if I'm going to spell a word, you pronounce it. Okay. C-R-A-Y-O-N. Crayon. Crayon. So you say that like a sane, rational human. What are the other ways to say it? Crown. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, if you live in Louisiana, <laughs> I don't know where that one's from. Uh-huh. Um, cran, like cranberry, is the other cran, one. Cran, cran, cran. Got any crans? Yeah, that seems that seems uh, like Minnesota or <laughs> Michigan. Some people in the audience are probably gagging right now as they listen to that. Uh-huh. Um, do Do you know what Jimmy's are? Uh, they're, uh, GMC, like, uh, <laughs> blazers. They're Chevy blazers. You're correct. That's not the kind of Jimmy that I was talking about. Oh. Um, no, I don't know what, uh, like a Jimmy, like, oh, is it your penis? No, uh, it is. Well, maybe. Yeah. But in Philly, a Jimmy is what you would call sprinkles. Jimmy's. A sprinkles on a, you mean sparkles? No. Like things a, that you put on ice cream cones? Sparkles. Yeah, no, but they're like, they're multi, they're multi, hold on. They're multicolored. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what a sparkle Little sugary, is. sparkles you call those? Well, I call them sparkles. Why, why would you, I mean, you put I've them on a donut them too. called sprinkles. Well, you sprinkle them on, but that, how is that a description of them? That's a description of how you apply them. No, there's, they're sparkles because they make your ice cream or your, uh, your, your mayonnaise or your donut or whatever. They make it sparkle. Your, hold on, your mayonnaise. I don't know what you can put sparkles on anything. I mean, I may be the only one that calls them sparkles because I whenever I whenever I go into a to a donut shop and I say I'll have uh, the the chocolate sparkle, there's always a pause while the person thinks about yeah, it. I've never heard them called sparkles before. I've always heard them called sprinkles. Typically, except where I'm from, where we call them Jimmy's. Jimmy's. I mean, it's interesting to me that that uh, that sparkles play such a large role in Philadelphia culture that you have your own name for them. Oh yeah, in the well, it's in the northeastern U.S. Uh-huh. Um, I think, and and here's where I'll make the dis, uh, the distinction: Jimmy's are only used on ice cream. Oh, what would uh, you put on a donut? sprinkles really yes uh sprinkles are for like any kind of con- confection baked goods uh jimmy's it kind of implies thing. ice cream they're the same they're, they they are they are they have the same constituent qualities i think so i i think so yeah i don't think there's any difference and i so remember you say, I, ice cream with jimmy's a lot of the time jimmy's are chocolate with a candy color on the outside of it oh okay all right that's a different thing but i'm not it doesn't have to be it just sometimes they're chocolate those would be chocolate jimmies i'm starting to realize as we're having this conversation that i've been trying to get people to call sprinkles sparkles for 10 years (laughs) yeah just by insisting that they're sparkles i've never heard that i like it i've done it so long that i forgot that that was something i was doing like I legitimately now just forgot that they're not called sparkles because no one ever corrects me. Uh-huh. They all understand what I'm talking about. And I just, uh, just, just kept doing it. And, and now, I mean, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably going to inflict that on my daughter and she's going to call them sparkles. It's just one of these terrible things that I do. See, and that is something though, what you tend to call something is what you're, and you're raising children, then they kind of pick it up and, and learn it and believe it. And then think other people are weird when no one knows. Like when I, I remember even still, like I will say to my kids, like we'll go to the ice cream shop and I'm like, you guys want Jimmy's on it. 
they know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I'll say, okay, she, you know, he wants his with almonds. She wants hers with Jimmy's. And the person working there will be like, we don't, what are Jimmy's? I'm like, oh, right. For you, I'll say sparkles. And they're like, uh, wait, I mean, well, see, now you got me doing yeah, it. Oh, my see, God. Sparkles. Do you they see what sparkles. you've done to me? This is, this is what this I'm saying. It's already in there. You've inceptioned it into me now. Once you now once, I'm going to call it sparkles. Once you say sparkles, oh why God. would you go back to sprinkles? Sprinkles. I, yes, I think and sparkles has a, it may be a little bit more of a magical feeling to it. Yes, of it course. Be, even is a little more masculine than sprinkles. Yeah, sprinkles. Yeah. No, sparkle. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that I, this you may not know about uh, Annie is, Sprinkle. You're, you're doing like a hypnotism thing on me right now, aren't you? Well, I hope I'm doing it to our entire <laughs> listening audience. Um, I, uh, I, my friend, uh, my friend Annie Sprinkle, um, who was a, uh, a like a very popular. I wouldn't say popular, but she was a she was a porn star in the seventies. Okay, who then was an early adopter, perhaps the first even porn star to adopt a very feminist pro sex, uh, like critical mentality about what, about the work she was doing. And she had a, she had a very voluptuous figure and she had a great sense of humor. And so she started to inject into porn and porn culture, this sort of, um, this very humorous, but also like, like critically rigorous sort of a critique of porn and she is still alive and still doing, I think great work in this field and is, she never became like, uh, like nationally known because this was in an era before sex positivism and porn positivism were things that you, that, you know, that you talked about other outside of like a purient interest, right? Nowadays, uh, Annie Sprinkle would would and probably should be um, thought of as a pioneer, but at the time she was, you know, still. I mean, she was in porn, right? So she was still a fringe figure. But I was a fan of her of her um, her mind. You know, she wasn't my uh, she wasn't my porn type, if you will. But I thought she was funny and smart. And I enjoyed her take on things, but it kind of took the word sprinkle, Annie Sprinkle, which I'm sure was a stage name and I'm sure it was a reference, some kind of reference. If, if you know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, it turned the word sprinkle into a word I could not dissociate from the winking use of it as a surname and I could not say I want sprinkles on my donut because I was just like <laughs> it's too, too connected. I don't think I do want sprinkles on my donut, but I do want sparkles because the thing is, if I get a donut here, here are my donut criteria. I want it to be a cake donut. I do not want a, a dough donut. Hmm. I don't want a normal donut. When when uh, when they open those crusty creams, crispy crazy creams. crazy creams, crispy creams. When they 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 opened a crisp crispy cream crispy cream. Yeah, they opened one out here in Seattle about ten years ago, and it was that 
predictable frenzy where there were lines around the block. Everybody wanted a crisp, crisp cream. And I had absolutely no interest in a Krispy Kreme, zero interest because I don't want to hear the word cream uh, when I'm, when we're talking about a donut in the same way. I don't want sprinkles. I want a cake donut with frosting and sparkles. If okay. my donut is not cake, if it's bread, I won't eat it. If it's a cake donut without frosting, I can't imagine why you would make it. Mm-hmm. And if it's a cake donut with frosting, but no sparkles, it's like, it's like a fluffer nutter with no peanut butter. Exactly. Right. Yes. Like I, so all three ingredients have to be present. And what's incredible is when somebody at a, at a, uh, you know, at one of these board meetings that I go to and somebody orders two baker's dozens of donuts, mixed donuts, and the box flings open and there are all these donuts, including always like two maple loafs or a big bear claw and a maple loaf. Nobody wants a maple loaf. I never see anybody eat the maple loaf. It's the, it's the fucking side, size of a sub sandwich. How could, you, how could you plow your way through one of those things? But anyway, everybody jumps into the donut box and I'm like, don't take the cake donut because there's usually only one or one, two. Yeah. And miraculously, no one ever does. Everybody else wants these crazy, like, fluffy dough buns. Right, sure. Sugar buns. And the cake donut stands alone. And so, like, even if I'm last to the donut box, I usually get the cake donut, which, which is like somebody opens a box full of gold doubloons. <laughs> or I'm sorry, somebody opens a box, a box full of pennies and there's one gold doubloon. And everybody's like, pennies! And they take all the pennies and they leave the gold doubloon. Right. That's how it looks to me. And I, 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 I don't understand people and, and donuts. I mean, that's one of those things where I feel like my confusion and contempt for the mass, for the mob, is just confirmed by the donut consumption. I mean, I could see like, oh, everybody, everybody buys new cars Everybody's uh, somehow there are tens of thousands of people who go in to buy a new car and they think, well, I'm kind of, I'm down, down between the Mazda and the, the Mazda 626 and the Toyota Camry. And I think the Camry gets better miles, but the 626 is a little sportier. And I'm like, what are you talking about for that same amount of money? Like you could get a 1967 Dodge Coronet. Why? Like it, that's been restored. <laughs> You're talking about a Mazda six, two, six. You want sporty. This, this thing's got a four twenty six. So I'm out of step, right? I'm out of step with America. Yes. But, but that all seems like, well, they're making decisions based on efficiency and reliability. That makes sense to me. I mean, I can't really get on board with it, but yeah, it makes sense. I understand it. I, I, I can, I don't feel that, outside because I can comprehend their process, but open a, open a baker's dozen of donuts and everybody grabs the Krispy Kremes. That's what I, I think people like the Krispy Kremes and because maybe I think they feel like because they are so sort of light and fluffy and have icing instead of frosting, 
that they could eat more of them. Why would you want to eat more of them? Now, when you talk about a cake donut, Mm. again, being from the Northeast, I think of one of my favorite snacks as a boy growing up, which was, have you ever heard of Entenmann's? Yes. Entenmann's made a cake donut that would be, it was, uh, they were miniature donuts. They were small size, perfect for a child. Yeah. They were cake on the inside and they were just dusted with the powdered, white powdered sugar. Yeah. And in your lunchbox, because they would be wrapped in a little bag or something, the heat or some, some kind of a moisture would sort of convert part, or if you were holding it with your fingers underneath your fingers where you were coming in contact with the donut, the, the, um, the sugar, the powdered sugar would kind of almost liquefy in a very nice kind of a way. Do you know these? Do you know these kinds of donuts? They so, were cake donuts. So we didn't have Entenmann's out here, but the little container of mini powdered donuts, mm-hmm. uh, and, th- and they're cake donuts, but they're blonde cake. They're not chocolate well, cake. Not chocolate cake, correct. Um, those are one of my all-time favorite road trip foods. Uh, you know, I always felt guilty going in and buying a big thing of those cake donuts. Cause of course you eat the whole thing. Oh yeah. And they would, they would, when I was a kid, they sold them in eventually started selling them in, in these sort of bags mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. of the Entenmann's powdered donuts. Mm-hmm. And you get that powder all over your shirt, uh, yeah. powder all over your fingers. It's a wonderful experience. And, uh, like a, like a powdered donut, get out of Dodge. I'll eat them all day. Yeah, I'll, I love those. you know, but, uh, but you don't, you don't find those in, you don't find those in donut shops exactly. Or no maybe way. you do. Maybe you do, but I'm but I'm looking for the uh I'm looking for the the chocolate cake donut with chocolate frosting and and sparkles. And maybe every once in a while you'll see one with peanuts, chopped peanuts on it. Mm. I'll go that direction too. But the other ones, you know, though this is the reason I don't like potatoes. Potatoes are just a like um, a granular grease delivery system. No matter how you cook potatoes or chop them or whatever, you can never get rid of the granularity, the sort of dirt, the dirt quality. Uh, Potatoes are basically just dirt. Dirt. Um, They're dirt that's been condensed and somewhat smoothed into a potato, but but you, 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 you taste the sand in it. And then... No matter how you process a potato, the method always involves dipping it in hot grease or filling it full of butter and sour cream or in some other way. I mean, you're either, you're either frying it or just, I mean, frying it in hot, hot, dirty grease or filling it full of grease. And so it just feels like dirt and grease to me. And so why? Why? I mean, if I want dirt and grease, there are so many better ways to get dirt and grease than a potato. Because you don't like you don't like a French fry. Nope. You don't like a potato chip. Nope. Dirt and grease. That's what they are. Huh. Every one of those things is dirt and grease. Are you so, more of like the salty, savory, or the more the sweet kind of in your if you were to go for a dessert? Would you pick, you would, sounds like you'd pick the donut because there's some people who 
naturally gravitate toward the kind of the salty, savory stuff. Like, would they have like their favorite snack would be potato chips? Other people would prefer little you know, chocolates or something. I'm I'm gonna guess you go toward the the sweeter the chocolate side. Well, here's the uh, here's the funny thing about the savory the sweet savory uh, like axes at breakfast when other people are just piling their plate with sweet mm-hmm. syrup covered bread stuffs and those sweet little breakfast sausages they're kind of caramelized and french toast the weirdest of all foods egg wait <laughs> egg egg dipped bread thick bread with that's one of the best foods in the world Syrup, butter, and powdered sugar. If you're doing it right, yeah. It's a very, very strange food. But it's amazing. It's some of the best food ever. I don't know. It makes me, it makes me a little sick to my stomach, French toast. Well, that's so part I, of it, I guess. So it, yeah, I know. That's right. That is the appeal. <laughs> so at breakfast, I want to have savory. I want, a, I want an omelet that's full of peppers and onions. Mm-hmm. And Italian sausage, not breakfast sausage. I don't want a breakfast sausage. You can put them all, you throw them all away for a thousand years. Breakfast sausage. Blech. But a, like, you know, a savory omelet. What's wrong with the breakfast sausage? Yeah, it just, they're just weird. They're weird tasting. What, why, why do you put sugar in them? I mean, I'll eat an apple sausage in the afternoon. You're talking about like a maple, like a pork yeah, maple sausage. Blah, blah, or blah, 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 blah. Barf. Do you think you might be a super taster? Have you ever considered that? Um, unclear, unclear. I do have, I do have, I do have certain sensitivities. I do have sensitivities, uh, and I also have a little bit of a tendency to repeat myself. To repeat myself. <laughs> but at night, now at night when it's time to yeah, it's- close out the day, right? Book time, TV time. Now I want sweet. Uh-huh. Now I want ice cream. I want chocolate. I want sweet, sweet, sweet. And if you try and give me a, a day ending, like a, like a finale, a capper, that's some kind of savory something, chips, or I don't know. I mean, popcorn, yes, but... But, but see, like, that's more of a salty. Yeah, but popcorn is its own category of food Mm -hmm. but like try and close out the day with with a with a vegetable plate or something i'm just i'm so offended every day if the day has gone well the day should culminate in a bowl of ice cream if the day has gone poorly (laughs) two bowls of ice cream it should culminate in a larger (laughs) bowl of ice cream if you're if you are on a health kick a current health kick Uh and you're like i eschew ice cream then your then the inner satisfaction of knowing that you are better than everybody else is its own sweet reward. Mm. So at the end of the day, if you're like, you know, all day long, I only ate 1200 calories of celery sticks and I'm not going to pollute the temple of my body with an ice cream right now. Sure. That that's like eating a big bowl of ice cream of righteousness. (laughs) But in, in every other situation, when you're just being a normal person, you should have a bowl of ice cream at night, is my opinion. But you should not have French toast in the morning. So 
I don't know that. So in the sweet savory divide, you know, I have to say that it's, it's on an hour to hour basis. No, I can, I can see that. Right? Yeah, no, I, I, I see that. See, I don't, I don't get too much into either. I'm kind of a equally divided. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't kind of tend toward one or the other, but I, I, I don't have as much sweets, I think, as as most people that I know. Is that never, right? You, yeah. You you don't want a bowl of ice cream. I can't even remember. I mean, I've I, if my kids get ice cream, I'll have a taste of it. Wow! But my kids eat ice cream every night, like almost every night. There are certain ice cream nights. I uh-huh. do like a very very dark chocolate, like eighty five percent or more. Now, would you call that a savory food? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I, when I'm talking about that, like that's occasional and that's like one or two pieces. I The idea of eating a full, I've never in my life ate a full candy bar or a chocolate bar in my whole life. Never. Like it might take me a week to get through like a, you know, the chocolate bars you can break up in a little squares like we talked about. Uh, Yeah, but. but I eat maybe one or two squares a day at the most. That's I'm a, starting oh, to- that'd be. Three in a oh my god! Three in a day. Ooh. I'm trying to feel a little bit misled here because we did that whole episode of me eating chocolate. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I'm not eating the whole bar. I'm having a taste, a little tiny, little well, taste. Well, that seems insane uh, to me. But also, what do you need the whole bar for? You're if you're oh. if you're doing the the slow melting. Well, this is this is what this is why I'm feeling a little misled. I thought you were a normal person who ate chocolate like a normal person, and so you were you were giving me this like, oh, I mean, and when I say like a normal person, <laughs> I mean like in normal quantities. No, no, and no. you're like, oh, put a put a single square in your mouth yeah. and let it melt for an hour. Yeah, that's and I'm it. Like, Whoa, this is intense and weird enough. and like, and frankly, a little over sensual. You know, I was eating that chocolate and I was like, what is, what am I doing? Am I eating this chocolate or am I having sex with it? Uh, is and there now, a difference? Now I'm realizing that you were trying to like backdoor indoctrinate me into your weird, uh, like I was trying two to, to pieces of chocolate you in, in a way, a month lifestyle yeah. that, that, and, uh, and now you're in it. Now you're there. Oh my God. No, I'm it. not in it. No. No, Are you still, the kind of guy who would get a big bowl of ice cream and just shove the chocolate bar so it's sticking out of the ice cream and that's that's dessert? Uh, no, I don't like my desserts to be mixed that See, way. I th- I'm thinking you're a super taster. I don't want my cake and ice cream to be... I want cake and ice cream. You don't want them to I, touch, though. No, I want to have the ice cream in a bowl and the cake yeah, in a, I'm on a plate. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. What about with pie? Do you want ice cream on the pie? I do want ice cream on the pie. Do you like the pie? So the pie heated, ice cream cold. Depends on the pie. What kind of pie? Which? Which way? The, the only pie I care about is fruit pie and berry pie specifically. Are there other kinds? Like a meat pie or? Well, no. Really I mean, dessert. I, I guess when I say fruit pie, I mean exclusively berry pie. Okay. So, so, so I don't not, want a a, not an apple pie, not a peach pie. Not a cherry pie. Not a cherry pie. I want. That's a. I thought that was a berry. Cherry's not a berry. Cherry's a fruit. Cherry's a fruit, but right. not a berry. Okay. No, I want a raspberry pie, a blackberry pie, a blueberry pie. A okay. blueberry's not a. Blueberry is a berry. Yeah, sure. 
but it's a different kind of berry. Like I'll have any one of those pies. But if you, this is the, this is, I, I am somewhat embarrassed about this because if you put a pair, if you put a piece of peach pie or apple pie or cherry pie in front of me, I may not eat it. Even, even in my whole desserts, like. There's nothing wrong with that. I only, yeah. I only like, I, I like only one kind of pie and I'll make an exception for a second kind of pie. And the only, the only kind of pie that I that I can tolerate is an apple pie. Yeah. Now, if you want to heat it, you're going to probably, for me, you're going to ruin it. Huh. Uh, I like it. Again, let's go back to Entenmann's. The Entenmann's apple pie was a staple of my childhood. So yeah. I was, grew up, you know, they'd get the Entenmann's, it'd be in the fridge and I'd be like, Ma, I'm going to get some, you know, pie. And she's like, okay. And I'd go and I'd pull the thing out and I would, I would cut a slice out. And we didn't have microwaves, right? That was, you know, I'm not, what am I going to put in the toaster? I'm right. seven. Right. Nothing. Cold, made, cold apple pie. Cold apple pie. So I grew up liking it like that. And then w- when I became an adult, yeah. uh, I remember going over my girlfriend's house at one point and it was after we had like probably a Thanksgiving dinner, some kind of dinner, something. And they said, Oh, do you want pie? I'm like, yeah, I love pie. And they brought it out and it was warm apple pie with ice cream on it. I'm like, you guys are bonkers. Like, what are you doing? Who yeah. puts ice cream on a pie? What is, what is this insanity? And the pie is warm. And they're like, yeah, it's like the way all of America does it. Where are you from? I said, Philadelphia. And so I learned that So I've become accustomed to, I will eat it that way of politeness. But I feel like a cold, a cold apple pie, mm-hmm. that's the best. Now, the pie, the kind of pie that I will make an exception for is pecan pie. Mm-hmm. Now, do you say pecan, pecan, or Pe- pecan? Pe- or, or if I, I would say, give me those pecans. But I think I would say pecan pie. Pecan pie. Now, I, I, and I don't want a pecan pie either. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. But it's they're usually too sweet for me. If you gave me a choice between a cold apple pie and a warm apple pie, I would take the cold apple pie. Ooh. If I had to eat one. But here's here's why I'm embarrassed to say that I don't like apple pie because Dan, the phrase is as American Americans as apple pie. Yeah. And so. Like you, I think it's very peculiar that the only kind of pie you like is apple pie, (laughs) but it's unimpeachable because if somebody's like, (laughs) what kind of pie do you like? Right, right. It's it's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. And then right out of the top of your hat unfurls an American flag and it starts playing the Star Spangled Banner. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, you can stare anybody in the world down. Uh Apple. Yeah. Boom. Uh (laughs) <laughs> I didn't but, choose it in that way no, for that reason. But it's just but. like mic drop. Uh, <laughs> and then then it's, then the person goes apple and you go, "Yeah, since I was 7." Right. I never <laughs> liked another pie. And then they go, "Do you want me to warm that up for you?" And you go, "No." No, and I'll take my coffee black. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to sit here at the table in this diner and clean my pistol. Like <laughs> That's fucking tough. <laughs> I guess. Apple pie, a cold apple pie and a cup of black coffee. And here I am sitting across from you and I'm like, do you have any berry pie? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we got a key lime pie. Right, we, we got, got cherry. A That's a berry, right? Cherry pie. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, berry like raspberry, 
And they're like, ah, I think we got a strawberry pie. And I'm like, no, I don't want a strawberry pie, raspberry or blackberry, boysenberry. And half the time they're like, no, we don't have that. I'm like, oh, no pie for me then. What about like, cobbler? No, you, do a co- you can't do a cobbler either. Cobbler. Yeah, what the- a good cobbler. A cobbler is someone who fixes your shoes. <laughs> and if you're, and frankly, the word cobbler is just a little too close to cobnobbler. Uh-huh. And I, and I don't want a pie that's, that's a cobnobbler. No, a cobbler is, uh, a cobbler is great. Well, yeah, but a, co- a cobbler is either apple or peach. Yeah. Oh, the peach is the worst. I'll tell you why peach is the worst because it looks visually a lot. It could, it could almost visually pass as an apple pie, especially if it's the kind, you know, how they lace the top of the, uh, the top of the pie. They just lace it across with the the dough so that it's kind of, I don't know what you call that. I don't, I, you know, Long before I got long before I ever saw the detail of a cobbler, I turned my head away in horror. So I couldn't tell you the difference between a cobbler and another kind of thing because I'm I'm not. No, interested. I'm talking about just a regular old pie when they lace across instead oh, oh, of having okay. like one sheet of crust. Yeah, yeah, oh, right. Where they, it's like they do a little crisscross. Inner, crisscross. If you look at the uh, peach one versus an apple one, like if you're walking into the restaurant or the diner and you look over your shoulder and there's a little case with them in there, you go, oh, it looks like they maybe have some apple pie in there. And you find out that it's just peach. Like that's a, that's a slap in the face. Well, what a slap in the face is, is walking into a diner and seeing that in the window and knowing right away that you've already, you're already at 50% chance that this place is going to have a good berry pie. When I, w- I went to Outward Bound, when I was uh, when I was a teenager, and it was a grueling experience. And my group of uh, fairly thuggish kids, they Did sort you of go to it, or were you sent to it? I was sent to it. Okay, semantics. And, uh, I know, but it does no, paint no, a different it was, picture. It was a very different picture. And there were kids who went to it, and they all ended up in groups of other kids that were like friendly and they uh-huh. learned songs and sang songs with each other. Yes. And there were some groups that were co-ed and I was put in a group because I was sent there, a group of much older boys, all boys who were all also sent there. A couple of them were escorted there by, um, by someone who worked for this, their state's, uh, child protective services. Really? Um, they were all terrible and they were bullies and I was the youngest and I learned there both to keep my head down and also how to defend myself when cornered man. And one of the things that happened was that they sort of raided the food bags. I mean, we were, we were gone into the boundary waters of uh, Canada for two weeks and they just raided all the food, ate all the food. So here we were up in the, you know, like canoeing from lake to lake. And all that was left was rice, some rancid butter, oh God. some, I don't know, lentils that nobody knew how to cook, popcorn that, you know, popcorn that you had to cook in a frying pan. And, uh, and then all the blueberries that you could scavenge. And the the forests were full of blueberries. 
So I kind of, oh, and there was a big bag of brown sugar. So I sort of lived on blueberries and then I would take a scoop of butter in my hand and then dip it in the brown sugar bag. And so I would just sit and like kind of eat butter and brown sugar off of my fingers. Oh my God. And then go out in the woods and scavenge blueberries. And every once in a while we would, we'd figure out, you know, we had, we had counselors with us, but they were useless. And when I think about it now, I mean, what was I? I was 14. Maybe the other kids were 16. Our counselors were 24 Mm. and they had been charged with this like uh, philosophy of that, that we were going to be so desperate that we were going to start to become a team. Mm. These bad boys were going to learn how to work together as a, as a kind of, you know, corporate trust exercise. We were going to, we were going to just be starving to death in the wilderness. And so have to start pulling together. That's what these counselors had been taught would happen, Uh but they made, they had no ability to make it happen. They were, they were a lot of the people that go to Knowles national outdoor leadership school or who become like outdoor guides. What they are is outdoor people. They want, they want to be outdoors. They learn outdoor skills And then they think to themselves, well, I should get a job. I can't just work the rest of my life in a ski shop or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a lift attendant. I want to go, I want to go live in the, in the forest. And so they get jobs as guides or, um, you know, like, uh, rangers. Right. And the problem is that they are making a classic mistake, which is that a guide their primary job is to guide other people. Their, their job is not to be a, like a wild naturalist. Their job is to have a component of that, but ultimately like help people interact with people, teach people. So I would much rather in the woods have a great teacher who sort of knows the woods, but is capable of reading a book rather than have some, you know, uh, like, Captain Quint character who's hostile to other people and frankly just wants to live by themselves in a fire tower, but is being forced to take these chichacos out and guide them around for two weeks. And that's often what happens. And that's the problem when you give engineers the task of writing a user's manual or you ask an engineer to to uh, work in a capacity where they're interacting with other humans. Like the, they became an engineer specifically so they would not have to interact with other humans. And then, you know, inevitably they get transferred into some situation where they have to explain themselves in English. My mom said to me the other day, the reason she became a computer programmer was in 1960, she read a book about all the new careers that, that women could, could uh, get into. Right. And she narrowed it down to real estate agent or computer programmer. And she loved real estate because she loved old houses and she loved everything about real estate. But when she tried to be a real estate agent, she realized that none of that mattered. What mattered was, could you close a deal with some people, Mm. take them around a house and then give them the sell and get them to buy. 
And she said all the successful real estate agents had no idea about houses, didn't care about them at all. What they wanted to do was sell, sell houses. Right. And my mom's in there like, well, you know, this fireplace was built by a local craftsman and this, you know, this property actually has a natural spring and, you know, maybe the, maybe the roof needs to be replaced, but look at those eaves, but she's not selling it. She's just dreaming. You know, she's just like wapsing rhapsodical. And so she read the definition. She read the description of computer programmer and it said, must like to be alone for long periods, must like to solve problems, um, you know, needs to be like self-directed and, um, and, you know, generally to work for long periods in your head, coming up with, with, uh, with solutions to intractable problems. And my mom was like, can you make a description of a job that better suits me that I would love more? You know, she said in the early days of computer programming, a lot of the work they did, they were just sitting in their chair, staring at the ceiling for days at a time. And then they would solve the problem. And then they would go to the terminal. Like they did all of their, they did all of their coding, all of their, their problem solving in their heads, just sitting, you know, leaning back in their, in their desk chair and staring at the ceiling. And all of them were like that. You know, you didn't, you didn't even touch your, your uh, terminal until you had elegantly resolved the problem in your mind. And, you know, and that was, that was paradise to her. And then one day in 1984, she was the last one standing and they said, okay, you're a manager now (laughs) and you have 80 employees. And she was like, what? That's all about giving performance reviews and walking around with your hands behind your back you know, looking over people's shoulders. I don't want to do that. And they were like, yeah, well you, that's, that's what, that's what we need you to do. And then she, you know, eventually became the director of the department. And, and the whole time was like, I just want to be leaning back in my desk chair, solving math problems. Anyway. So I was on outward bound with these two (laughs) dingalings who, what they should have been doing is selling cross country skis at Eastern mountain sports. Um, and each one of those transactions could be 15 minutes long and they could be the salesperson that's like, well, these are the best skis. Uh, I don't, you know, if you can't afford those, then I don't know. I mean, you could get these skis. They're cheaper if that's what you want. And the person that's buying the skis could be like, uh, thanks. And then they'd take them up and buy them. And then the, you know, like nobody's ever going to complain to the management about that. My cross country ski salesman was not very helpful uh, because they're like a, you know, because they think that they belong into the, in the woods. But so we're out there 10, 16 year old thugs and one 14 year old baby. And uh, it's freaking Lord of the flies. And these two counselors are, are the worst kids of them all. They had, they offered, they offered zilch. They were no comfort. They were no, you know, and, and they're sitting sucks. over there like, come over here and look at this side of the rock has the moss on it. And that's how you know which side is north. And, you know, and uh, meanwhile, they're trying to force feed a can of chew to me or what, holding me down and trying to make me eat a can of chew. And I'm like, I don't care what side the moss is on. Help, help a guy out here. This is terrible. 
Well, and so then the 16 year olds eventually, like I just kept my head down and the 16 year olds went to war with each other. And the reason they ate all the food was that they were trying to starve one another out. Like, you know, they would get up in the middle of the night and go scavenge a bunch of food. Terrible. Take all the peanut butter. And then Knowles guys were like, well, looks like you're out of peanut butter. I don't know what we're going to do now. It's like, I know what we're going to do. I'm going to live on blueberries and rancid butter. So the whole, the whole time I was on Outward Bound, I had never before that eaten a slice of blueberry pie. I'd never had one. But somewhere about halfway along the trip, I remembered when I landed at the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, there was a, a diner in the airport because this was just, a, you know, early 80s, just on the cusp of when airports were still sort of like bus stations. Oh, yeah. Right. And every airport like had a diner where people sat smoking cigarettes sure, and yeah. eating pie. And there was this diner in the Minneapolis airport. And I remember a piece of blueberry pie in the pie case as I was standing there paying for my, I mean, what was I 14? I was probably, a, I was buying a hamburger and a, and a Coke, but I saw this piece of blueberry pie and it didn't, mean anything to me at the time but about halfway through this trip i remembered that slice of blueberry pie and i had never had one and i was eating blueberries and you would think i would be sick of blueberries but i wasn't like blueberries were i i was turning into a bear cub and i would just tumble (laughs) through the forest you know we we, because we would canoe all day we'd carry our canoes we'd portage from lake to lake carrying our canoes and all of our packs but then we would make camp and there'd be this sort of hour of or two of dusk light where you all you had to do really was fight mosquitoes try to avoid other kids and find as many blueberries as you could and i started to fantasize about blueberry pie in a way that only a 14 year old can get an idea stuck in their head and just like blueberry pie blueberry pie and this was right before wait a minute was i even 14 i might have been 13 it was it was i was kind of a late bloomer right so it was right before i really got super obsessed with sex it was still it was still like a like a close race between sex and blueberry pie or sex and (laughs) sex and food right i mean chocolate chip cookies Blueberry pie or imagining girls in my high school where their, you know, uh, where their clothes were off. Uh But on this trip, I don't think I thought about girls one time. I just thought about blueberry pie and mosquitoes and, and, you know, being drowned by these bullies. So when I got back and I was, I left Duluth and I flew down to, or no, I guess I took a bus from Duluth to Minneapolis and I got on the airplane or I got into the airport, Minneapolis, St. Paul airport. And I went right to this cafe and I had a big piece of blueberry pie with vanilla ice cream. And it just solidified for me for the rest of my life. Like blueberry pie with ice cream is the thing that you are really waiting for. That is the, that's the end point. That's the culmination. You are, everything you're doing is, is, leading you to this 
pot of gold. Pot of blue gold. Well, John, I think we should end the yeah, show. Yeah, I guess uh, that's pretty good ending. People have been complaining to us that they either they can't tell that the show is ending or they don't like the way that we're ending it. So perhaps we should end the show. Yeah, we should have a now. definite ending for the show so people know the show is over. Don't get confused about whether or not the show is still going. But also not an ending that like is jarring or in any way makes them feel like the end of the show isn't being respected by us, the showers. Right. So uh, let, let us saying, now end now? the show. Do you feel that do people the, are ready the for the show to end? Not yet. Here, we'll do the end of show sound. Here we go.